Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I haven't got any of my podcasty stuff here. I'm in London, Lincoln and DK are in the north. So it's just me on my little own. Lincoln is up home in bed with man flu. So I'll be perfectly honest, I'm glad I'm not with him, even though he's in his own words being a very brave little soldier. So, um, chew, excuse me, I haven't got a cold at the minute, at least I hope I haven't. Um, that that Lana's, as they say in Newcastle, if I suddenly get one because I was being mean about my hubby. Um, anyway, uh, so it's just me. I'm going to sneeze again. Oh, for God's sake, not another one. I've had more bloody colds this last six months. Honestly, what is going on? Right. So I'm not sure when this will go out, but we're, we've um, we've left Christmas and everything behind, thank God. I did have a lovely time. We did our, um, Link and I did our two weeks in Barbados, which we're very lucky to do. Um, we do that from about December the 6th to the 19th, something like that. So I avoid the pre-Christmas madness where people seem to have a collective mania um, about shopping and stuff, even though we do a lot of it online anymore. You can't park anywhere. You can't drive anywhere. You can't get in. Oh, God, I hate it. So we go away and have a a lovely chill. And um, I'm very lucky that my husband and I, we both work very hard and we live quite chaotic lives a lot of the time but when we do go away we are very 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 good at relaxing very good at it we pretty much get up go to breakfast and um, saunter over to the sunbeds 
lie there all day, not in the sun because it was actually too hot, um, and read and listen to podcasts and whatever, and then go for an early dinner. And we're in bed sometimes by like half eight watching something. Um, you know, not drinking means that you're never really wanting to be out that late or, or with lots of people late at night who are all hammered. Um, so uh, it's great. But then, of course, you come back to the chaos, at least I do, because I tend to do most of Christmas. Um, Lincoln gets back into work and uh, I come back to an Amazon warehouse of parcels that I have no idea what they are, who they're for. Oh, my God. So then I procrastinate for about two or three days, not opening anything. Anyway, eventually get on with it. But listen, it was done. I got far too much for everybody, some of which, the, you know, will be still in the Christmas bags. Um, so um, then, so I went up, Lincoln went to his mum's and his brother's um, for Christmas. And I went up north with my two boys came, my sister, her kids, um, and uh, my ex, Tim and Joe. We were all there together. We had Christmas Eve dinner in the uh, in the, the local pub in Northumberland, which is fabulous. And we always have Christmas Eve dinner on Christmas Eve. My mum started this. It's a Scandinavian tradition. My mother, who'd never even been to Norway, but nevertheless, she decided um, in her wisdom this would be a good idea. And it really is a good idea because it means that the grown-ups do their presents at midnight. And then in the morning, whatever little kids are around, they do all their presents. And then nobody is cooking a great big Christmas dinner. And um, Tim does a roast ham with peas pudding and coleslaw and jacket potatoes. And that's our favourite meal and we love it. I then drove down to home on Christmas night, as did the boys, because we were going to celebrate uh, Lincoln's 50th birthday. So I took this big house in the Peak District called Bleaklow Farm. Oh, my God, it was gorgeous. Um, there was 24 of us and we played games and we played table tennis. And I'd got these old fashioned games brought in, with like egg and spoon with a wooden spoon and a wooden egg and limbo and connect four massive size and um we had a, a chef come in and do the dinner i had my friends who were the singing waiters everybody was blown away so yeah it was a fantastic time but i will be honest i'm glad when things go back to normal right so there's two things i was gonna um there was something i was going to share with you which is if you remember i told you on a previous podcast that um I had been with Nadia Sawala and on the day that we showed the film of her being diagnosed ADHD and that the head of the ADHD company had said, um, when they'd said one of our ladies thinks she has and her children maybe have ADHD, he said, is it Denise Welsh? <laughs> Which obviously um, resonated with me somewhat. And after many discussions with them, I decided, um, especially as enough people told me, that had an almost, well, that's not rocket science um, reaction to it, which surprised me because clinical depression has been my illness, you know, not that illnesses are to be owned, but that's always been my thing and I've never thought beyond that. Anyway, waffling on is, of course, a symptom of ADHD. So I'll try and phrase it all. Uh, I had a diagnosis over two or three days was quite intense um, with a psychologist specialised in that area. And um, 
I am absolutely 100% definitely, I have ADHD, which I would have had since childhood. But um, so many people, particularly women, are being diagnosed in their later years because ADHD was mostly associated for a long time with the male species and particularly with young boys. So we always thought, oh, ADHD, that means naughty boys not paying attention in school, jumping up and down on the desks, etc. Um, which, of course, um, is to, that's what I thought ADHD was. And people manifest it in many different ways. And um, I, you know, when, when I was doing the diagnosis and they were getting to the questions about childhood, <coughs> excuse me, oh my God, karma. Um, I was thinking, oh, well, this is not me because she was asking me about when I was at school, was I disruptive? You know, was I rebellious? No, 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 I wasn't any of those things. I wasn't naughty. I was distracted. But then again, you know, some of the teachers were so boring and the lessons were so boring. I didn't think that was a symptom of anything. I just thought it was because I was bored. And I always said that it wasn't until I was about 14, 15, when drama came into my life at school, that a sort of light bulb moment happened. And I realized, A, this was something that I loved and B, it was something that I was good at. And I got patted on the back for something because it was never going to be anything academic. So um, anyway, but obviously that's only a, sh a small part of the... Um, of the diagnostic process it, it entails much more she also said to me at the end of everything it was much easier to make a diagnosis of me because i was very open and very honest there are lots of people who are understandably embarrassed about um behaviors that they have manifested over the years um, and therefore they are reluctant to share those experiences which can help with the diagnosis. I am, you know, open about pretty much everything as many of you who've watched me over the years will attest to. So I was very honest about, you know, my, 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 my background in all, in, in all areas, you know. And um, so I have ADHD. Um, there are areas that I think post-menopause, this is a self-diagnosis that I think have maybe sort of worsened or become more obvious. Um, but what it does is it doesn't excuse anything. It explains, it gives you reasons for certain behaviours, but not excuses. Of course, that's assuming they were negative or bad behaviours, which they all aren't. You know, people with a condition such as ADHD are very often drawn to the creative professions. And um, so you get a, a lot of very talented, creative people who have ADHD. And um, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm one, but um, but it's one of those careers where the sort of it's very difficult to explain what they're looking for. But one of the things that I've noticed with myself is, and, and I was a bit worried about it, is that I do interrupt a lot. It drives the girls mad. I know I do. And I said to Jane Moore the other day, you know, there's no tablet in the world will stop me interrupting you if I think you're talking shit. <laughs> um, but a lot of it is, if I don't say what I feel is important to say, then I forget it. 
You know, when you're in the middle of a conversation, and I know loads of people listening to this will go, well, that happens to me and I haven't got ADHD. I, I get I get that. I'm just giving you some examples of how I feel it certainly manifests in me. And um and what it is is um it's you know you know when you're having a conversation with somebody and you go, Oh, what were you talking about there again? Hang on a minute. What what was I saying? What was I saying? Oh yeah. Well, if that happens to me, <clears throat> I can never remember what it was. Never. If my life depended on it, I can't get back on track. And I have to rely on the other person to bring me back on track. So there is a desperation in me sometimes to get out what I'm saying. Or indeed, if I'm talking and I have a pen and paper by my side, I have to write things down that I'm gonna say. Um, because Especially if it's something that I'm passionate about because I want to say it. And obviously part of my job is talking about things I'm passionate about. And that is very much a symptom um, of ADHD. Any, anything to do with, with memory and interrupting and forgetfulness and all of these things that have happened to me. But particularly, I've noticed it in, um, in the last few years. Um, also being in, unable to concentrate on one thing at a time. So your mind is all over the place, which I've just thought, well, that's just my personality, which it is. And and I'm a Gemini, I'm not really into astronomy, but you know, we all have it a little bit, don't we? Or oh, that's because I'm a Gemini. Um, but all to do with, with addiction, um, you know, um, substance abuse, overeating, all of these different things are all indicative of someone who may have um, ADHD. And I have something like a 70 to 75% chance more of having postnatal depression, which of course I had. 75% more chance of speeding in my car, um, which, you know, I, I have learned my lesson from that, um, of having a car accident, because you're never present. You can't, you can't fulfill one task because your brain has taken you off on another one. And, and also what I'm having at the moment is this fatigue. It's, it's not just tiredness. And I know I'm 64, so I know I'm an old bird and, I, and, and, I, and I'm aware, you know, that energy levels are going to fall to a degree as you get older. But I'm so tired at the moment. I'm exhausted, tired. And even things that I'm looking forward to doing, I can't be bothered to do. I just want to lie in bed, watch shit on my tablet or my phone, and then move from the sofa to the um, from the bed to the sofa and continue. And I I wanted to start the new year with some energy and going to the gym, which I did twice, but then I had to come down to London. But there's a gym here. Have I been? No. Can I be bothered to go out and buy my fresh vegetables and my I can't. I'm really, really in a in a fog. The weather doesn't help. I'm looking outside my flat now and it's pissing down with rain. It's grey, it's dark, it's gross. I'm going to Brighton later for something lovely. <clears throat> I'm going to see Matty's first night of his tour. I've got a bunch of great friends going with me. I'm excited for them to see Matty on stage. But this part of me thinks, I don't have the energy to do it because I'm sort of a bit of a team leader where I'm going. And, you know, um, I just feel 
But apparently, this is all part part of it because I burn up so much energy on doing inconsequential stuff that this is how it manifests in my in in my body, and um, I've got to get it sorted. So I was reluctant to have the medication that is being offered to me because what happens in a, in a neuro is it a neurodiverse person? Is that what I am? Um, the dopamine that I'm using my hand and you can't see it. I know because I've got no visual on this podcast today, but um, I'm, I'm moving my hand in a horizontal way. So the dopamine normally in a normal person is like that, just steady and smooth running through. The dopamine in an ADHD person is released and immediately absorbed by the body, released immediately absorbed by the body. So you're constantly chasing a dopamine hit. You're not aware of it all the time, but that's you're chasing it. And I've been chasing it for 64 years and I'm absolutely fucked. Um, and so because I haven't had, because I haven't had depression for three years, right? Which in a person who suffered from major depressive disorder for 33 years, you've got no idea how massive that is for me. It's really massive. Sorry, I'm sitting on my own in my flat getting emotional about it because it's just, um, it's in a, no matter whether I'm tired or having all these other things, not being scared, <clears throat> not being scared of a depressive episode coming on is, um, is such a freedom because I've realized that for 30 years, I've been constantly scared every day of, of my illness coming on because my illness is endogenous as opposed to reactive. I've been frightened of my illness for 30 years because my illness has its own life form. Most clinical depression this is what I've heard from a million medics, is reactive. So it's reactive to a certain situation that can trigger your illness. That does happen to me, but 90% of the time it's endogenous. So I can be doing something really wonderful and lovely, not thinking about being poorly, not thinking about anything other than what I'm doing and having a lovely time. And then I will get a tingling in my palms and a metallic taste in my mouth. And I will know that within 30 seconds, a black, terrible depression is on me. And because of the lack of control, I've lived for 30 years, having some wonderful times in my life. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I haven't had wonderful times. I have, I've lived with depression. I, I don't, I won't be defined by my illness, but for some reason, three years ago, when I had a big episode that actually spawned um, my book, The Unwelcome Visitor, because I picked up my phone and um, videoed my um, episode of depression to show people what it was like when you're in one. And um, it went viral. I hadn't realized because I'd taken myself off to bed and turned my phone off Well, Lincoln did. Lincoln just makes sure that he takes everything outside out of my life and just lets me get well. And um, anyway, since September 2019, for whatever reason, I haven't had a depression, not through COVID, not through my dad dying, 
again, those are circumstances, but um, I've felt the signs and then it's retreated. So as I know that the origin of my depression was hormonal, I think something hormonal has happened and that's what's done it. But I, I, I don't question it too much. My God, this weather is torrential. I don't question it too much because I'm just glad it's happened. But because of that, I um, I have been worried about taking the medication that is recommended to me because I'm frightened to put something into my system that is going to have an adverse effect with what's happening in the depression world. Anyway, I spoke the other day with the psychologist again and asked her for more information about the medications, which she explained to me much more thoroughly. And um, I am going to go on them. And uh, I can come off them at any time, but I am going to go on them and see how I go, because I really need, I think I need some help with it. So um, Nadia says it's, um, it's made a huge difference to her. But believe you me, I know it won't make me the calm and collected one who doesn't shout and rage on loose women. Um, but uh, anyway, that's that's a very long-winded way of saying what's been um, what's been happening to me. So um, I didn't expect it to take up nearly the whole podcast, but it's actually been quite therapeutic for me to uh, to talk to talk about it. So what else has been happening? Well, as I say, we had the fabulous time for um, Lincoln tonight. I'm going off to Matty's uh, first night of his tour. Now, much as it's incredibly exciting to be part in a, in a minor way of the tour world, the one thing that goes alongside that is guest list stress, GLS, as I call it. It's very hard being the mum of a famous rock star when they're on tour. Because I get asked, everybody who is on the guest list or everybody that comes with me, there are another God knows how many people who are can't. Because I don't have any control over the 1975, the venues, where they are, how many can go, all of those things. So... I, oh God, I have a lot of friends and it's amazing how you get more friends when your son's on tour. Um, but I want everybody to be happy and I want everybody that wants to, you know, that I know that wants to see Matty to, to see them. But what it is, and I, and I'm not naming any names and, um, my, you know, but basically what can happen is I I now have to say on a WhatsApp group of, say, the Brighton gig or the O2 gig or the Nottingham gig or whichever it is, I have to say, guys, I've got guest list stress. Um, bar from getting you in on the guest list to see the show, I don't know where to park. I don't know whether you should stay overnight. I don't know where we're sitting slash standing, because even if you have a seat, you're never able to be in it for long because everyone stands up. I don't know what access backstage we have. And I don't know if the boys will be able to see us because, because of security reasons or whatever, they might have to do a runner. I have to say that. And of course, my close friends go, Den, we're just grateful that we're going. But you wouldn't believe the times that I've been in a venue um, 
surrounded by lots of people trying to sort out the passes for everybody, getting through or, or letting them know where the passes are. And the phone's going with, where do we park? Or uh, I've got a silver uh, band and Joan's got a gold one. Well, it's like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't help you with that. And then listen, my cousin's cousin's cousin works with someone whose cousin just said, could she just have five minutes with Matty backstage? No, I can't get five minutes with Matty backstage. Oh God, honestly. And do you know what was happening? Pre, pre the lull in our lives, you know, the, the pandemic restrictions caused and they were touring. Honestly, it was putting a pressure on, on me and Matt. I felt it was, I was doing it because I felt that I was constantly asking of Matty, can you come and see this person and meet this person? Because I'm a people pleaser. So I'm not doing it this time. I, I, I find that I am a bit, but I'm trying to work hard against not doing it, you know, because it's, um, it just makes me, you know, I want to enjoy the time when he's on tour, not constantly having to sort out everybody else. Anyway, I just, that's just a whinge that I'm just having it. Listen, it's first world problems, believe you me, but we all whinge about what's going on in our lives. And the people who listen to this podcast um, are listening to it because, you know, they have an interest in what I say, whether they love me or hate me. So I'm just talking about me and how, how I feel. But I know that when I'm there and we're all in, I'm going to thoroughly enjoy it and love it. I saw the show in America and I loved that because I had a small guest list. Matty said I was still manic in the, in the, in the little friends and family room trying to make sure that everybody knew each other. And it's like, Mom, it's, you don't need to do that. Everybody can meet each other on their own. You don't have to have that responsibility. But now you see ADHD. There you go. What else has been happening? I'm back at Loose Women. It's lovely to be back after Christmas. Um, it's great to see the, um, the girls. And um, we are such a, a happy band and we are incredibly supportive of each other. And, um, and you know, every single day I look at the online press and it's always... Loose women erupts in chaos because Denise disagrees with Kay or loose women feuding again. You know, I seem to be at the heart of it, a lot of it, because, you know, but we're not feuding. OK, we have some quite vocal discussions on, on set because we're all older, most of us. We've got we're passionate about things that we believe in or we disagree with. Obviously, the main thing at the moment is Harry and Meghan. Those of you who know me will know that I have championed Harry and Meghan from way, way, way before it became such a heightened thing. I have always been hyper aware of the fact that press about Kate um, was very different to press about Meghan. I have no skin in this game, okay? I have nothing against um, Harry and Kate and Charles and, and you know, I. I've met a few of the royal family. Um, the one I don't like, which I've been very vocal about because I have met him on several occasions, is Prince Andrew. But anyway, um, so I just feel that, yes, we are all a bit Harry and Meghan fatigued without a shadow of a doubt. 
And do I think that there's certain things that he shouldn't have said? Yes, I do. But as I speak now, the book has only been leaked. I haven't read it. So again, his comments about the war and the Taliban do seem to be really out of place and, and very misinformed. However, until I read them myself in context, I'm going to reserve judgment on those. The main point is I understand Harry and Meghan, but obviously Harry with the, the book now speaking out. We are hearing from a very hurt 11, 12-year-old boy who has never been able to be heard about his mother's death. He has been forced into a series of behaviours that, that were expected of him, and he's bottled it all up. And meeting Meghan has given him the confidence to be his own man and to speak out. And he is terribly, terribly hurt. And I think that he has the right to do so because there are obviously some awful things that happened. He is protecting his mixed race wife. Um, it's not the first time that we've heard that, uh, you know, um, it's not the first time we've heard that the royal family doesn't have a great track record on race. And that's not saying individuals, but he is now very much at the centre of this. He wants to right some wrongs and he wants to let people know that they were bullied out of the royal family. And I truly believe that they absolutely were because I think that the royal family were in no way going to allow Harry and Meghan to shine above William and Kate or Charles. Because let's be honest, even if people love Charles, he's never going to be the queen. He's never going to have that reverence and that complete love that Her Majesty had. He's not. And, um, and Harry's hurting. His father betrayed his wife with another woman who they clearly weren't that fond of at the time. Harry never completely believed everything that happened in the Paris Tunnel. I don't think he still does. That's not saying it was anybody else's fault, but I think he's never been able to really um, find the answers that he was looking for. And if you think about it, Meghan and Harry are very much in love. At least I believe they are. Meghan has been treated appallingly by the royal family and by the press. and But she has Harry. His mother was treated appallingly by the royal family and the press, but didn't have anybody. I know I've had this discussion with Jane Moore. She said, Denise, she knew Diana very well, so I completely and utterly appreciate and, and um, accept um, her words on this. Diana could be very manipulative and play the press at their own game. I get that, and thank God she could. But, you know, all of the things that Harry is saying, Diana said many years ago, if you actually look at all the articles, if you look at Diana's book, all these things Harry's, Harry is saying, bar William, of course, pretty much is what Diana said. So it's about time there were changes. It's about time there was accountability. But do I think it's now time for Harry to leave it? Yes, I do. But he has taken the power back from the press because there ain't nothing now they can say about him and Meghan because he said it all. So I will always be in their camp. Um, I think that the press have, and the royal family have absolutely protected Prince William. There are many, many things about Prince William, some of which I have heard from the journalists' mouths themselves. Some journalists who absolutely berate Meghan on a daily basis. They have said in person to me, we know this 
and we are not allowed to run it. So that says to me that William is protected where Harry and Meghan are not. That's where I stand and that is my views on it. Am I sick of talking about it on Loose Women? Yes. One of the reasons being, it's the old dead cat on the table. You know that one? Oh, look, there's a dead cat on the table. Everyone looks to the dead cat on the table, whilst what's really happening is going on stage left. The government are getting away with God knows what. Why aren't we talking about the VIP lane that was created to um, give all their buddies uh, PPE, most of which turned out to be completely dodgy. People have lined their pockets during COVID to millions and trillions of pounds. And yet us, the taxpayer, is going to be paid, paying for those investigations. I'm fucking furious about it. And that, to me, is what we should be talking about. You know, meanwhile, there's probably all these bills being passed, you know, oh, you didn't read clause B, paragraph A. That's because you were all talking about Harry and Meghan. You know, it's been brilliant. You look at you look at the newspapers. It's all about Harry and Meghan. There's nothing being talked about. What is currently going on? The dire situation our country is in at the moment and what we can do about it. You know, it's um, it's 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 horrendous. But um, I want to save that slightly more sort of slightly more political discussion about things until I'm with DK and, um, and DK and think I'm talking into an echo chamber. Also, what I am going to do is as well, I've had quite a few requests and thank you so much to those of you who are getting in touch about the podcast. I really, really appreciate it because, you know, we sort of did this podcast by default. You know, it was sort of, are we doing a podcast? Is this a podcast? Oh, I guess it is a podcast. And now, I absolutely love having this opportunity just to talk to you. So I'm really grateful for the for the comments that, that, that I've had. And I'd love your comments, positive or negative. Believe you, me, I'm old enough and ugly enough to take the criticism. I take it on a daily basis. So, um, But so far, it's it's been very positive. But I'd love to know what you'd like me to talk about. One of the things that has come up several times is what I talk about my childhood. And... Um, and I would be very happy to do that. But again, you know me, I can't say anything in five minutes. It's got to be at least half an hour. So I'll save that one. And I will talk about my my, my childhood and, um, and you know, where I'm from and, and who my parents were and, um, and the fact I was brought up in a sweetie world, you know, confectionery business my, that my family had. So, so yes, I will, I will talk about, um, I will talk about that. And also, I don't want this to be an interview podcast. You know, some of my friends do brilliant podcasts where they have a guest every episode and they interview them. I want this to be more of a chat. So, you know, I haven't had a guest on yet. It's just me and DK and Lincoln and today just me. But I do want to bring some friends in, but rather than interview, just to chat about what's go what's going on, you know. So um, if there's anybody you particularly would like me to reach out to within my sort of friendship group, then, um, you know, then 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 please or outside my friendship group, because you don't know who my friends are, but you know who some of them are. Anyway, listen, I've got to go and get ready to go out in this pouring rain and go to Brighton and support my um, my fantastic son. My other son's going. Lincoln can't, bless him with his flu. Um, their dad's going and I've got a bunch of um, a bunch of mates going as well. So I'm excited. So I might have a cold shower to try and wake myself up a bit. But um, thanks for listening. And um, I will see you, hear from you, talk to you very soon. Lots of love.
So guys, if there's anything that you've ever heard me talking about that you'd like to hear more of, or indeed anything you can suggest that me, DK and Lincoln can bring to the table, contact me on deniswelshpod at gmail.com. And um, indeed, if you've got any questions, ask away. We'd love to hear from you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.